0: The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information,
1: please visit gcbdowntown.com. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth. Now, a man who was lame from birth While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to, to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why do, does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or go, godliness we made, him, made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked him that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus.' Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will become completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who had spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servants, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. God bless the reading of his word.
0: I I need to make a confession a little bit more about this Acts 3 passage because um, it's difficult. Part of the reason why I delegated it away is I didn't want to teach it, to be honest with you. All right. Can I, can I just, can I tell you that? Is it okay for a pastor to say that? All right. Um, there's, I, I want to be authentic because, um, one year and 11 and a half months ago, um, we lost the church member that, um, that made um that really uh shook uh i guess the maturity and the strength of of my faith uh, many of us prayed uh, frantically for a boy that was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 15 and died of cancer by the time he was 20 his name was Bo. he was a part of our church family played the bass in our worship band and I think so and um like that makes it better Um, and so I asked the Lord why I couldn't have been like Peter in his life Um, if you remember we had doors from our prayer week on the wall and most of the post-it notes on the doors knocking on the doors of heaven that year Bo's name was over dozens and dozens of the notes asking the Lord to allow us to see this young man healed and, um, and so I don't have the answers for you, um, of the reasons why in certain people's instances God does some miraculous things. Um, and, uh, in other times he continues to let the mystery of what the passage of death to life looks like. And I'm grateful for Bo's faith. Um, I know that Bo right now in some sort of cloud of witnesses is like, Ellis, would you please stop crying over me? I'm quite fine. I'm going to see you sooner than you might know. And all these other things that could be coming from a heaven's perspective to earth. But it doesn't make it any easier for me as a minister that wants to see the miraculous done amongst us. I would love for the joy of what's happening when we gather in Jesus' name, whether it's in one of your homes throughout the week, or actually here on a Sunday morning where the news is spreading widely that, man, God's power is on these people and there's miraculous things being done. And I'm not saying that God isn't doing those things, but there's times when I read a passage like this that I'm like, God, we just aren't comparing to this. Um, But in many ways, there's probably a lot of stories that we could come to um, where this is true. Much like the young lady that I had a chance to see walk the aisle and marry one of our young men a couple weeks ago, who is a living testimony of a teenage cancer survivor that God just touched in a powerful way. And so there are stories of those that have been healed amongst us and those that haven't been healed amongst us and all the things in between all of that. But um, I have a lot of frustration in my own personal life, with a passage like this. But we do see, even in our city on a regular basis, a number of people that we can identify with this person that is lame in this passage of Scripture. This young man obviously has been lame from birth. And his family, most likely, um, is carrying him to the one place in town where people have mercy on him. And still allow him to add value to the family by bringing home whatever coins or whatever food or whatever it could be that day that the Lord allows him to bring home because that was just a part of the culture. This wasn't a organized gang tactic to take advantage of people or all the other skeptical things that you might think of when we see people standing on the corners of our city. There's some that we know are legitimate needs and others we're like, oh, man, I feel like this person is taking advantage of people around us. Who do I trust and all of this? But let me let me give one more disclaimer that I feel like is really important for us to know about this passage. Number one, Peter and John did not lie to this man's face. He they did not have money and then refused to give it to him. I just I want you guys to to understand this. This is not what's happening here. It is not okay for us to lie in the face of beggars. It's not okay to lie at any point in time. If we have money and we're choosing not to give it to them, we don't say to them, I have nothing to share with you. Because we do have something to share. And so when you look at a passage like this, one of the things that we can easily read over is the fact that, one of the things that goes to all of us is the fact that God doesn't want us ever to lie. Doesn't want us ever to look at somebody and say, well, rather than telling you the truth, I'm just going to lie to you because it makes it easier on me. And I don't think that that's something that we need to do. One of the things that I think is really important for us is that this man had been sitting in this particular location majority of his life. Almost like Groundhog Day, the movie, where it's like you repeat the same day over and over and over and over. How many times had this man looked at people in the face or with his head down, just saying, please have pity on me. Please, something. Could you please give me something? Some, Do you have any money, please? How many times had it come off of his tongue? We don't have any idea how old this man is. But if just say on average, he was spending five or six days a week at this gate begging, and he's now in his 20s. How many thousands upon thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times had this particular man held out his hand, head down, most likely in shame, just saying, please, somebody, is there anybody that would have pity on me? And occasionally feeling something in his hand or in some kind of basket or whatever he had. That he was gathering from. But on this day. On this day. He said the same thing that he had said thousands of times to Peter and John. And he got something that he did not expect. I don't think you and I can fathom that. That in this particular encounter. That this particular man was so blessed by what happened that it just can't comprehend between our ears this morning. But when he heard Peter say to him, look me in the face, that was most likely a very different response that was a chain of events that was going to lead to a very different outcome. And, and if there's anything that I began to gather from this is the words when Peter and John's like, you know what, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. And that's what spoke to me this morning. People don't need for us to give to them something we don't possess. They need for us to give to people what we do possess. And so you might not have a gift of healing, but that does not mean that you can't look somebody in the face and touch them and say, look me in the face. Let me give you value. Let me show you what love looks like. I cannot necessarily make you walk, but let me tell you what the Lord has blessed me with. And now I am going to be exceptionally different to you than the rest of the responses that you've ever received. If you follow me on social media, I posted a picture this morning of this cruising vessel out in the middle of the ocean with a blue whale hidden underneath of it. And it is a beautiful picture. And I'm not trying to get a bunch of social media followers, but if you want to follow me, it's great. I would love to encourage you throughout the week and also show you pictures of my children. Right. And so when um, when you see this picture, though, this is this is what I think is happening in Acts chapter three. Peter and John to this man is like the blue whale that's barely visible underneath the water. These this particular man is getting more than he could ever imagine in his interaction with Peter and John. Which made me think and ask, Like, when people interact with me, do they get Jesus? When people interact with you, do they get Jesus? Because when we say we follow Jesus, some of us have gotten to the point where we don't want to identify ourselves as a Christian. But you at least, if you believe in Jesus, have to admit you're a follower of Jesus. You might not want to use the word because of negative connotation, but whatever it is that you're doing, we must say the name of Jesus. And if we are claiming our salvation, then we've got to get to the point where we're comfortable with our name, Jesus. And if we are following Jesus, when people meet us, we should exceed expectations. I don't know if that's resonating with you or if that's making sense to you. But when you and I touch somebody, it should be more than they expect. When they see us and we look at them in the face and we ask them to look in our face, when they look deep into our eyes, I'm not just making it a romantic candlelight dinner, which is where a lot of us go when we think of looking in somebody's eyes, but even in the typical lunch meeting with you, with your friends, some of you are going to go to brunch in a few minutes and you're going to talk for an hour, an hour and a half, and you'll never make eye contact with each other. And those are people that we're comfortable enough to go to lunch with. But yet Peter and John knew that this man not only needed healing, but he needed to see the dignity and the value of what it looked like to have somebody say, look me in the face. And he looked him in the face. And I know that it's one of the biggest steps in Christian maturity that a lot of us are going to have in this room. But our maturity needs to get to the point where because of Jesus, we have the power to be a witness, which means we have the power to make eye contact. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit might reveal himself to you this week is that you are like, well, here I go. I'm walking up on this person and I generally look away or I act like I'm answering an email or a text message on my phone. But this time I'm actually going to make eye contact in Jesus' name. And you need to walk away like, woo! I just made eye contact in Jesus' name. And let it be something that encourages you to take more and more steps. Because at some level we have to mature in our ability to look at people and say, you're in the kingdom You're invited into the kingdom. You're invited in. I have room at my table for you, but we don't want to lie to anybody. That's why we don't make eye contact because we have room, but we don't want them in that room. Right? And so what we need to do is to say, look, I'm going to be trustworthy to what Jesus has given me. And when people ask me what I have, I'm going to tell them what Jesus has given me that I can now share with you. And when I look at this passage, I'm just blown away by the fact that they had new power, they had new life, they had a new family, and they were offering all of that to this gentleman. And I would love for us to do that ourselves. Luke, the writer of all of this, I think really did an incredible job of talking about the intentionality of the deep stare, the looking, the questions that we ponder because of this deep look. But Jesus looked at people. Jesus touched people. So if we believe in Jesus and we want to look like Jesus, we've got to look and touch people. We can't avoid them. And we can't use our personality as a distraction or as an excuse. Just because you're introverted, just because you've been hurt or harmed by others, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit that now dwells in you can't heal you up enough to make eye contact can't heal you up enough to touch somebody. And then you have a testimony of the miraculous power and the work of God in your life because you can say to people, I once did not have the ability to make eye contact. I once did not have the ability to touch people, but God has now healed me and now I can be a powerful witness for him because of what he's done in my life. It is the power of the name of Jesus that counts. Here, and everywhere else. It's the name of Jesus. And I love the way Peter says it here. Just in case there's any any confusion, and we've said this before, it's Jesus of... Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's like, let me just make it very specific. I don't want you to get confused with any other Jesuses. It is Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you must follow, that you must know. And it's the point behind the whole letter of Acts which you talked about in Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter one, it is about the fact that when Jesus sat on the throne, this is now what happens. Yes, there is a whole lot about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, but the Holy Spirit is in the book of Acts because Jesus is seated and Jesus Jesus is now telling the Holy Spirit what to do. And so in Acts 3, we now get to see how it works. Jesus is in power, and the Holy Spirit comes with that power to do miraculous things in and around us. And I love the fact that in this passage, it's happening now outside the temple. It is now moving towards people anywhere and everywhere they are. Used to, people used to think up into this first century that people had to get into the temple for the power of God to work. Now it's starting to work on the steps. We're, now we're going to find it working in the streets. And even though they were dedicated in the week to teaching, to the breaking of, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer, they were doing it in their homes and all throughout the community. There's a pattern of them now starting to go back to the temple. And when they're going back to the temple, they are now proclaiming the power of the king in that temple. And we're going to begin to see what starts to happen here. When people allow themselves to be empowered, to be the witness of God. And it starts in Acts chapter three, just through eye contact and personal touch. It's amazing what ends up happening so much so that I actually put on my notes, demonstrate with quotation marks in bold, but I am not in the mood to demonstrate. I'd be honest with you, but this is what ends up happening to this particular man. He gets touched. I feel like, any of you guys ever played the game Quelf? Some of you? Any idea what I'm talking about? Alright. It has a terrible name, right? Um, it sounds weird, like, okay, what are you just saying? Some Asgardian language, right? But this, uh, this game Quelf basically is this game where you roll a dice, you move, and then you pick up these cards, and then you have to do what the cards tell you to do if you want to win. And sometimes they tell you you have to make up a song, sometimes they make up a dance, sometimes you have to do all this. But On this Sunday, if I was going to show you what it looks like to be touched by God, um, I would literally have to dance and skip around the room. And some of you in this room would really enjoy that. (laughs) Others of you are already gathering your phones just in case I do. (laughs) But I am not going to become an internet sensation today, right? (laughs) But I will tell you this, that when this man finally had two believers in jesus christ give him dignity and life he could not contain himself so much so that everybody was like wait a minute isn't that isn't that the man that we've seen begging since he was a child at the gates isn't that him dancing around like what has happened to him could we not imagine what could happen in our city if the kid that has been the troublemaker on the block is now dancing down the street undignified, praising the name of Jesus? And he's like, let me tell you what church looked me in the face and touched me. Let me tell you what, what, what the, a church offered to me, what they had. And now I am no longer bound to the things that I once was bound to. I've been set free and I'm using my freedom to now dance in front of you. Imagine what could happen in our city if that was a testimony of not only our church, but all the churches. I read a quote this week um, that it was, it comes out of a ministry called Alpha Ministries, which is a ministry designed around teaching people how to engage with the people around them and, and talk about the name of Jesus. And one of the stats that they had recently came out of a group of people they, that they had interviewed. And it said something like this. I'm going to mess it up just a touch. But had something around all the empty churches on the street corners in cities, that when an unbeliever walks by them, they think, hmm, there's an empty, can- an empty castle to a forgotten king. There's an empty cast- castle to a forgotten king. And I'm like, wow, that really resonates. But how many people could say that about me? I am a temple of the living God. I should be a castle to the king, Right? And so if somebody walks by me, would they be like, wow, that's an empty shell to a king, right? Or should people be like, wow, what in the world is inhabiting that temple? And so when we think about this, there's so much happening here. There's there's so many other points that I'd love to talk to you about, but I need to bring it to a close in the quote out of Exodus 3 when he says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, that's just not language. It is a direct correlation. It is a hyperlink back to something that everybody listening would have known. We we forget how Jewish the audience in the temple would have been. They would have known exactly the first time this was said and how it was said to Moses at the burning bush and how it was going to set off a string of events that even Jesus quoted from in Luke 20 when this happened in Moses's life to assure Moses that he wasn't going about something that there was no power of God in. God was getting ready to do something new. He was going to set his people free from captivity. They were going to receive the promises of God. And so with Peter saying this to the people listening, he's like, let me just tie two events together, Moses and Jesus. He led a, an exodus. Jesus is now leading an exodus. Jesus, he led a Passover. He, uh, Jesus led a Passover. Moses led you through water. Jesus is leading you through water. Moses gave you law that was healthy for you. Jesus has made it possible for you to walk in obedience to God. And he goes on to say to them, and you, Moses was taking them to an inheritance. Jesus is now taking you to inheritance. And because we don't think Jewish, we read over that and we miss All of that. So when Peter is bringing Exodus 3 language into Acts chapter 3, he is sharing with them that Jesus, in Jesus, the one He crucified, all the things they said about that crucifixion was that Jesus is making it possible for us to get to true freedom. And it starts with our repentance. In Acts chapter 3 verse 16, it says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and known was made strong. I actually like to add to it if I can just for a moment. That man that you see over there dancing undignified, skipping around like a school child on his new legs, he was made strong because of his faith in Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name and in in the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. And as you can all see, he is healed in Acts 3 verse 16. Jesus isn't a name that is a new type of magic. It's not the new abracadabra. It is faith that speaks in Jesus name. There have been a few of you that have been intimately around me and I try not to be the jerk, right? Um, Especially when somebody does something and you're trying to help them learn to do it a little bit differently. You can come across as a jerk to say, you know what? You just prayed at the very end. You just said it in the name of uh, you know, in, in, in his name. Or we, we say everything but Jesus at the end of our prayers. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be at the end of every prayer that we say the name of Jesus, but there are some of us that always speak vaguely of God in our prayers. And the name of Jesus is difficult to roll off of our tongue. We can use our prayer life to help us learn to let Jesus roll off of our tongue. And so when you pray, one of the best ways for us to learn to pray is to say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I'm coming to you right now because I know it's in Jesus' name that power is unleashed in the world. Or, Father, I just prayed all this for like the last 15 minutes and I don't know what else to do. And I just want to step into the fact that I know that power only comes through Jesus' name. It's in the name of Jesus that you and I can find life. It's in the name of Jesus that my family right now is facing the challenges that we're facing. I've even had people recently... Again, I'm I'm not trying to make it... But it seems like everything comes in waves to drown you. Like, I had somebody on Facebook call me a wolf in sheep's clothing this past week. And I'm sitting here thinking, what? Seriously? I don't even like lamb. Right? But... When you, you you sit, I'm like, what, who, who could have t- touched me and gotten bitter water? I just don't understand that. But yet it happens. And even in our best days, there's people that totally don't get us. And I'm like, Lord, what what did I do that day that didn't reflect the image of God when I had some kind of interaction with this person? You know, but yet then I'm trying to console my wife on the phone, like within the next hour, you know, as she's getting bad news about her dad and trying to continue to learn to be. A f- Sometimes life can be overwhelming. Can I tell you guys that there's so much happening, so many things that come. And what has given me strength is the fact that the helmet of my salvation was given to me by Jesus Christ. And he can protect my mind. He can help me to focus on what's true and right and noble and just. And if I'm not careful, I will forget Jesus's name. And then I wonder why I'm pushed around in the world by so many different things. It's because of the power of Jesus and our rootedness in Jesus that we can stay steadfast in all the storms that come in the life that we live. It's actually in Acts chapter 3 that he says to this group of people in the temple, oh, it's in Jesus Christ that we get to our complete wholeness. And if you and I want to reach our fullest maturity, if you and I want to reach fullest wholeness possible by the time we see Jesus face to face, we have got to get comfortable with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It has got to be something that sets root in us, that we hold on to, that we anchor ourselves in. And I have this for a slide for a closing Believing in Jesus and the power of his name is the way to wholeness in the first century and in the 21st century. There is nothing about Acts 3 that is any different than our day and time. There are people we need to look at in the face and say, look me in the face. Because what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And I'm giving it to you because Jesus Christ of Nazareth gave it to me. And there's people in our city that need to hear that from us. Let's pray. Father, we're about ready to come to the Lord's table as a reminder of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so, Lord, we come to you today saying we want people to be surprised when they meet us. We want them to be overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus when they come in contact with us. So, Lord, would you do a work in us today? Father, would you take even just this Acts 3 and the, the words that I was able to, I feel like, guide um, our church family to, would you use it to mature us? Would you make us completely whole in Jesus Christ? That's my prayer today, Father. Would you make us completely whole? So Lord, today I pray that if there's somebody in this room that has not yet given their life fully to Jesus Christ, that they would do it today. In Jesus' name, Lord, would they finally express that they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And Lord, I also pray today for those of us that are in the midst of a storm that we will not allow the enemy to get us to look at anybody other than Jesus to see us through the storm. Father, you've been good to us. You love us. And we want to continue to grow in the fullness of that. So Lord, would you increase our faith today? And Lord, as we come to the table and we reflect on the body broken and the blood poured out, Father, would you help that to remind us and as well as to give us the words and the framework to talk to others today. And Father, we thank You for this sacrifice. In Jesus' name, Amen.